Testament reading this morning is from the uh, letter to the, fir the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, starting with the 12th verse. It goes like this. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts. And all the parts of the body are one, all the parts of the body are one body, even though they are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. If all were one in the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need dignity, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the part with less honor. So there won't be division in the body, and so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. In the church, God has appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, the ability to help others, leadership skills, and different kinds of tongues. All aren't apostles. All aren't prophets, are they? All aren't teachers, are they? All don't perform miracles, do they? All don't have gifts of healing, do they? All don't speak in different tongues. All don't interpret. Use your ambition to try to get the greater gifts. And I'm going to show you an even better way. The word of the Lord. The other day we watched the movie Yesterday. Has anybody watched this movie? If you have small children, don't watch this movie. It's a bad idea. <laughs> the, plot of the, the plot of the movie is essentially this. Um, Jennifer Garner, who is from my hometown, I went to preschool with her, so she gets extra points. It's true. Um, <laughs> she, um, she's the mom in this story. And in, in this story, Jennifer Garner is kind of like just at her wit's end all the time. She's constantly yelling at her children, which sounds like no mother ever. <laughs> And her children, for their parts, are always causing trouble, which sounds like no children ever, right? And they're just doing their jobs. She's being a mom, and the children are being children. In fact, when I told my dad about this, the plot of this movie, he said, what? Parents are supposed to say no. Which tells you about my childhood, right? And it's true, parents are supposed to say no to some things, because parents' jobs are to teach us to be better people, to be good humans. Anyway, the plot of this movie is that she, uh, she decides, the kids convince her to have a whole day where all that she can say is yes. Whatever the kids come up with, she has to say yes to. And there are some boundaries, but generally, 
everything is a yes. Yes, yes, yes. And what they find is that they had mutually, both of those groups, the kids and the parents, had not been paying attention to one another. They'd gotten so stuck in whatever their role was and however they functioned. They got so stuck in saying no or so stuck in asking for things that neither one could see the other side's point of view. You see, mom was just trying to keep the house running. She was just trying to keep the house clean. She was trying to cook dinner. Like, she had a legitimate reason to say no. And all the kids were too self-involved in whatever it was they had going on to see how crazed she was. And so they'd gotten into this cycle where neither one could hear and neither one could see. And they thought the other person was not any good. They were mean and terrible and awful people, right? They were too involved in their own point of view to see what the other person needed. In a lot of ways, this is what Paul is addressing in this passage. See, the Corinthian church had two groups of people. They had the rich people who controlled the church, and then they had the poor people who didn't get any say. And this was causing some conflict. You can imagine these groups were not getting along because nobody likes to be told what to do. But it's especially hard in the church, especially the new church, when they were told that everybody was one in Christ. And yet in practice, that wasn't true. That wasn't the case. And so Paul tells them this metaphor, this image of the church, the Christ as body. And we've heard it so many times, I think, that we're over familiar with it. But one of the things that I learned this week is that this metaphor isn't Paul's. He didn't invent it. This metaphor had been going around the Greek world for hundreds of years. It was a common thing. And so when an employee would come to their boss and complain about the treatment, the boss would say, I'm the head of the body and you are the foot. The boss was saying, I'm in charge and you are not. I'm important and you are not. Know your role. I'm the head, I'm more important than you are. You are disposable foot. The CEO is more important, they said. The head of the household was more important, they said. The money, whoever had the most money was the most important because they were the head of the body. And everybody else was just a body part. And so Paul tells us this metaphor and he reminds us that the head does not function unless it has a body to go with it. The head is important, it's valuable. We need a head to like breathe and function. But we need hands to feed ourselves, right? We need feet to walk with. And if you take out your pancreas, you are not gonna live very long, right? <laughs> if you take out your appendix, I don't know why we still have it, but it's clearly important, right? <laughs> it's a vestigial organ. It serves no function and yet it's still in our body. It's important too. Paul was telling them, reminding them, that the body doesn't function without every one of its parts. I wonder how many times in our lives we tell people they're not important. Not on purpose, often, but sometimes we do it on purpose. But most of the time we tell people they're not important in little ways, in lots of little ways. This happened to me a couple weeks ago. I'm serving on um, the calendar committee at my daughter's school, which sounds just as exciting as it is. 
and we were we were talking about a holiday, and I don't even remember which holiday it was. Oh, yes, I do. We were trying to decide whether to take the day off after Halloween, which is a, you know, that's a good conversation to have. And one of the people on the committee said, well, you know, Iredale Statesville Schools is taking it off. We should take it off school. And somebody else on the committee said, well, well not Iredale Statesville School. And I said, it's really hard to get kids up if you take a random day off in the middle of the week, right? Like, I get it. The day after Halloween is not the most fun to wake your children up to go to school, but if you like take a day off in the middle of the week, then Wednesday is hard and Monday is also hard, and so it takes one hard day and makes it three. I thought it was an excellent point. And one of the voices, because we were on Zoom, one of the voices from off screen laughed and said, yeah, we should just send our kids to school seven days a week, right? And there was a little uncomfortable laughter and the message that that sent to me was, your voice is not important. Whatever you said, it was, it was laughable. You're not important. Or it also said that we don't want you to speak anymore. I'm shutting your voice down because the idea that you offered to me was not good enough. It was not the right idea. It didn't fit into our system. It didn't fit into the preconceived whatever that we had planned. It also happened in another way in that we only considered the calendar that the teacher offered to the group, right? It's supposed to be a group where parents and teachers come together to plan things, right? And the only calendar we talked about was the teachers. And that was another silent message that the only person who mattered in that conversation was the teacher. And I wonder how many times we do that to one another in our lives. We tell people they're not important in lots of little ways. We say, you're just a foot. Put a shoe on and go walk, right? You're not as smart as me. You don't know as much as I do about this, or you don't care about this person as much as I do. We don't really listen to the other person's voice. We get wrapped up in whatever is going on in our head, and we don't actually hear that person. We don't take the time for them. Or we're just not aware of the way that we send silent messages that shut people down. One of my friends, Shane, he's um, six foot eight, very tall. He's a big guy. He's not like one of those six foot eight guys who's skinny. Right? He's, he's a six foot eight guy and he's a big guy. And he one time he said to me, when I go into a meeting, the first thing that I do is sit down. I said, why? That's odd, right? I'd never considered this. But why do you do that? And he said, because I know that I'm bigger than everybody else. And by standing up, I send the message to them that I'm more powerful. Oh, huh, I hadn't thought of that. Or, as happened to me the other day, I called somebody on the phone to reschedule an appointment and they wouldn't do it. And so I texted Jeremy and said, hey, can you call them and reschedule the appointment? And you know what happened? Every woman in the room knows what I'm talking about, right? Oh, sure, we can get you in. When do you want to come in, right? It's a silent message that says that I wasn't as important. My voice didn't matter. And it happens to all of us in every way. I'm not just saying that that happened to me. I'm sure that happens to him all the time. Where he's not the mom, so he doesn't care as much about his children, right? And Paul reminds us that we're all important. Everybody's voice is important. Every single person's voice is important. 
And we have to be intentional about listening and about hearing the voice. We have to be intentional about the way we offer our voice. We have to be okay with it coming from someone unexpected. It may not traditionally hold power. It's gonna be, it's hard, it's hard work, but it takes awareness and an acknowledgement that every part is important. And this is my prayer for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.